What are people buying for Christmas in a country where cannabis is legal? We're going to dive into a Canadian bud tender survey just to find out uh, how bud tenders are influencing purchases uh, around this time of year and just in general, really, uh, as well as how how their use uh, impacts their recommendations, how bud tenders can be influenced and uh, how they feel about the industry and their jobs and some key takeaways, all of that coming up. It's only entertainment. Welcome back to the Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. Canada's 2.0 rollout kind of had a unique um, step program from when they just issued flour and then in more products a year later. And so it's interesting now that they think there's so many SKUs, they don't really know how to make decisions. So um, they've got all of these new products, growing number of uh, producers and retail products uh, to try and select from. Um, some of these stores have 500 SKUs and uh, they're trying to figure out how to navigate this staggering array of cannabis items that stand out from competitors. Um, you know, which is funny because in Washington state's one of the most competitive markets, maybe North America, because there's, it's not vertically integrated. So the retailers don't care uh, about limiting the, the products. So there'll be 2000 products. You got to figure that out. So uh, for Canada, I think it's just going to get more, um, more evolved. They're going to have to figure out how to organize that a little bit better. And customers are going to have to become more educated and basically try more stuff. So retailers are trying to say that um, producers are finding more room on crowded store shelves. So they're focusing on different strategies, like white label opportunities, bulk formats, uh, distinct cultivars. Um, some of the arguments was that, you know, there's all these people growing the same strains and it's hard to differentiate. And so uh, they're just going to keep things limited, but there's no, this seem like a, at least not in this article, there's a, not as a, a rhyme or reason for the industry as a whole in terms of how they've tried to figure out um, how to have the right number of products. So this particular store on average is just shy of 500 SKUs. And another guy says that he's carrying 140 SKUs in BC and that um, everyone that they know is buying the same product and they're looking for low, low price. They want some, some value to the deal. Customer preferences are evolving behind just the, beyond this THC content, considering terpenes, um, probably, uh, hopefully some of the bud tenders are getting more, uh, educated and and that the market's been open they're seeing some of these new products and able to recommend some of those they've hopefully tried them um, but as you'll see uh, we're going to talk um, about bud tenders and, and their influence as well just in the short span of recreational markets and some medical markets we've seen bud tenders be incredibly influential however with technology and just advances in the regulated and eventually the legal market we're going to see direct sales e-commerce, online sales, all of those things kind of bypass the retailer. So for now, they're incredibly influential. 71% of purchases done in the store versus online, um, 53% come in not knowing what they want to buy. They're using the bud tenders as kind of that, um, that missing link or that, that knowledge piece that they can get. So three quarters of the time, bud tenders say consumers buy products recommended 
by them. So I always go in and I ask them, um, you know, every 420, I'll go into 20 stores and ask the same thing. What is your favorite product? Uh, and then what is the number one product being sold? And so for the last five years, it'll be six years coming up. You get to see that a majority of them like flour. I don't think that they can afford concentrate maybe as much as they want, uh, but it is interesting to see what they recommend uh, based on their viewpoint of, of predominantly being flour. It was 90% of bud tenders uh, from my small survey, um, 90% it was in flour in 2018. That's when I first started taking notes. 2017, I didn't. Uh, and then it's all the way up to uh, either two thirds or three quarters. I'll have to take a look, but uh, that's going to be coming up in a few months on 420. This report from Brightfield Group is showing that um, bud tenders gravitate towards smaller craft brands. So they're recognizing that all brands aren't the same. Most are willing to go out of the way to find certain brands. Uh, some find value in some companies knowing that they treat employees well or are authentic or have quality. Uh, and they're going to be more likely to recommend those brands if they had access to samples and free products, uh, training, uh, basically free stuff. That's why the Lemon Haze parties and some of the Bud Tender Appreciation Awards uh, that Dope Magazine had the Bud Tender Appreciation Parties, same thing with some other groups uh, locally, probably in your, your area that you've seen. So we're taking a look at how Bud Tenders learn about new products, going to a thing like Lemon Haze Bud Tender Parties. Uh, maybe they're going to get some products by doing hands-on stuff. There's some technology some, in some cases behind um, you know, in the, in the break rooms at some of these rec shops where they're, they're using tablets or, or something, to, you know, of that nature. But, um, this report boils down to four things, brand attributes, you know, bud tenders, social media and sampling. So a lot of the bud tenders are going to use sampling to learn about products. If they've tried it, they get their hands on it. Uh, then they can really kind of, talk about that product a lot more than anything else. But if they resonate with the social media, they can learn about the products, but also kind of get to feel like they know it's traditional. Traditional advertising, traditional media is you, you're getting an emotion, emotional connection to that, right? So I think Apple has done a really good job with that. Um, and then with uh, brand attributes, terpenes uh, are becoming more important than just the highest THC at the lowest price point. So if bud tenders can recommend that and get away from the sativa indica um, uh, recommendations, uh, ultimately right now, bud tenders are going to be that brand ambassador, kind of the, the gateway to products. So some of the shoppers ask about the highest THC point which kind of annoys some of these bud tenders that were asked, but I mean, that's, that's kind of the novelty of the whole industry right now. They don't understand terpenes and that being the kind of the direction people want to go in that THC is really just how fast you get there. But um, the relationship uh, that bud tenders have cultivated with some of their customers are the favorite things about their store and difficult customers are one of the biggest pain points. Um, I would think that uh, terrible morale would also be an issue with like, the joint in Burien has got the like some of the worst morale ever. And I, I think it's from management. They have some of the highest turnover too. I'm not saying it's correlated, but uh, even the new people have kind of terrible morale. So I'm not sure what's going on with that store. Um, a lot of bud tenders are satisfied with the current store. Those that are having issues with, uh, with management, maybe it's pay or hours. So there you go. Uh, some of the brands, biggest issues with brands are low quality, inconsistent products, excessive packaging, and then regulations. Um, 
dosage sucks, right? You don't want something capped uh, 100 milligrams or even in smaller dosage than that up in Canada. Canadian bud tenders want to be in Portland so they can open the jar and show people different nugs. Can't do that uh, in Washington or Canada. THC potency tops the most question. Uh, best value recommended. Uh, benefits of CBD. Um, strain types and sleep. Oh, terpenes is way down there. Oh, wow. Pain. I'm surprised pain is way down there too. Unfortunately, nothing about pesticides yet, but uh, maybe that'll come in the future. Uh, strong opinions from bud tenders doesn't really indicate uh, they don't recommend those brands. Could be for a number of factors. They don't, uh, the price doesn't match the quality. They've got negative feedback from shoppers. They don't think the brand is being transparent about their THC content. All of those can be an issue. We mentioned that social media was a big place that bud tenders kind of learn about things. I'm sure consumers do too. Instagram being big, Reddit, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn's way down there. It's kind of the business uh, form of, of Instagram and Facebook. And then passion for cannabis is driving force for a lot of bud tenders. They're altruistic coming into the industry. They want to know how to maybe get another job and they just dive in that way. Um, it's not a bad way. I'd probably look more for a hiring, you know, agency, recruiting agency, uh, rather than jumping into that. But maybe, you know, you get a better idea if you don't know anything at all. Uh, might be kind of quick to do it. But other people wanted a career change and they needed a job. So some of the results I found from last year is that 95% of bud tenders preferred flour and only four and three quarters percent wanted concentrate. On the flip side, bud tenders that I... Uh, surveyed on when I went to 20 stores on 420. Um, two thirds of the customers wanted flour, 10% want to concentrate, 10% wanted pre-rolls, and then another 5% wanted vape edibles and topicals. So then some of the takeaways from the year before that, in 2020, um, it was only two thirds of the customers wanted flour, followed by 16% wanted pre-rolls, 10% wanted beverages, 5% wanted a concentrate. Bud tenders back in 2020, 79% wanted flour, and then pre-rolls at 10, and then 5% for vape flower pods and rosin dabs. So, I mean, every year is kind of different. Some of the popular strains were uh, wedding cake, and then um, other products uh, that bud tenders wanted were vape carts, flower pods. Yeah, 23% of stores had no online menu ordering. So that's, that's weird. I mean, kind of a tech hub here in Seattle now and to not be able to order in 2020 was weird, especially during the pandemic when it was, um, you know, super long lines and everything was closed. You weren't allowed to go into the store. That was, that was pretty wild. Going back to 2019, 90% of the bud tenders favorite product was flour. 15% of them liked wedding cake. Another 10% said that uh, thug life uh, was a, their favorite strain um, for flour. And then most recognized product purchased by customers was wedding cake um, and then some pre-rolls. So 20% of the stores at that point said that Friday 419 was busier than 420. One out of five people said that. So I was always asked the, uh, the guy checking IDs at the front, you know, how many people have you seen? How many do you expect? Um, busy, things like that. 
So it looks like um, one of the store, there's 150 customers that visited before 9.30 in the morning and another store didn't see 150 customers uh, until 1.30 in the afternoon. The difference is because discounts, there's social media codes, online payment discounts, loyalty programs, lots of offerings on sale. We're seeing larger baskets and more customers as the main driver for growth. So the importance of creating those promotions and targeting uh, those customers creates a lot more loyalty. We'll be doing uh, 20 stores on 420 again. So if you find yourself in Seattle, hop on board the bus. 420 friendly is about four hours and 20 minutes to go to 20 stores. Uh, typically what we see is that the 420 discounts uh, or sales on the deals of the day end up being the everyday low price at a discount retailer two years later. So fun facts like that, of course, hoarding up along the way and uh, testing some products out. So it should be a fun time. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary, and I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one talk at a time.